This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. I want to read a piece written by fly fishing great Bud Lilly. This is from his book, Bud Lilly's Guide to Fly Fishing the West. It's about a typical conversation he would have again and again with fly fishers when he owned the fly shop that bears his name in West Yellowstone, Montana. This is what he writes. When there was a good day on the Firehole River, I might talk to 50 or more fishermen, all of whom wanted to come back and tell me about their success. How was the fishing? Oh, it was fabulous, fabulous. Was it tough or easy? Oh, they were very selective, very selective. What were you using? Well, the only thing they would take was this little beauty here. Of course, by the end of the day, I'd seen about 50 different only things. I went through this time after time. I should have developed a series of flies called the only things. Well, that may not be Pulitzer Prize-winning material, but it's pretty good writing. And that's something Dave and I love. Good outdoor authors. People who can cast words as well as flies. In an artistic form. One which captures the beauty and complexity and intrigue that comes with fly fishing and with the great outdoors in general. So we're going to talk about some of our favorite outdoor authors. Dave, why don't you tell me about uh, one of yours and uh, what is it about their writing that really stirs you? Well, I think we should begin by saying, you know, the one masterpiece, A River Runs Through It, has already been written. So a lot of my <laughs> right. authors that I read are not fly fishing specific authors, right. uh, but they're outdoor authors. They tend to be authors who write about the West. And so I would say one of my top authors right now and has been for many years is an author by the name of Rick Bass. And if you've not read anything of his stuff, um, you really need to pick up some of his books. I'm the kind of guy that once I latch on to an author, I'll read everything he or she writes. And sometimes when you get deeper into the ouvert uh, or the, the the works that they have, the, the deeper you get into it, you start to realize not everything they write is awesome, but um, I just tend to latch on to an author. So Rick Bass. So um, one of his great books, which I think is very accessible, is Coulter. And Coulter is the story of his hunting dog. And it's a short book. It's nonfiction. It's about his, uh, his dog. And Rick Bass is not a fly fisher. Uh, that I know of. At least I don't catch that in any of his book. He writes from the Yak um, Valley, which is is in northwestern Montana. He originated from Texas, and I think he has a geology degree, but ended up, Mm -hmm. uh, and his wife, or his girlfriend originally, went up to northwestern Montana into a very rural cabin, and he's made his life there. But Coulter is one of the great books, and by the end of the book, by the end of the book, if you are not crying or weeping or however you express emotion, hmm. uh, I don't think you're a person. Wow. So I love, when I think about outdoor authors, I like these uh, writers who can combine 
nature with understanding human emotion and they can tell a great story yeah even if they don't fly fish you're right there's only so many fly fishers who who write at that level and so yeah you have to read wider than that so um i just listed i'll list some of the books that i would recommend from rick bass coulter uh a book called winter which i'm reading right now which is about his um entry or how he got to um Montana. In fact, the first uh, year, it was a fall and winter that he spent in the Yak Valley. Wild Marsh, which is a monthly uh, journal using um, each month to narrate what the weather was like and his experiences uh, in the Yak Valley. Um, there's another one called Nine Mile Wolves, which is about um, the population, repopulation of the wolves in Montana, which is obviously um, nonfiction. And then another one I just read recently was A Thousand Deer which is basically telling the story of his family's deer hunting in uh, the hill country of Texas. And um, he also has written a lot of short stories and uh, some novels. Um, I tend to like his nonfiction more than his fiction, but I still hmm. love some of his, uh, his fiction as well. So what I thought I'd do is just read uh, a couple paragraphs from The Wild Marsh, in which he is narrating when one of his dogs um, got run over by um, someone who had driven all the way up near his cabin had run over and accidentally killed one of his dogs. And he then finds this out through a note that was written and and given to him. So let me read that for you. The note had said she was laid out by a stump alongside the driveway. I went to the stump and she wasn't there. And again, it seemed to me that by her not being there, the myth of the note could be broken. The time itself could be reversed as if in a river's eddy, if even only for an hour or two or for however long it took to get her back upright, standing and alive. I found her by the other stump, the one at the corner of the driveway, laid out neatly enough, but soaking, sodden in the cold rain. The driver had been gone only a few hours. Homer was still not yet cold as the rain and snow around her. Not warm, but not yet cold or stiff. I kept thinking desperately of how she might yet be saved, how I could rush her down to the miracle vet in town who had on so many occasions before rescued her from one calamity or another. I picked her up to carry her back into the house. There was a certain way she would lean into you when you bent to pick her up that was meant to assist you in the act. And without it, I scarcely knew how to lift her. I laid her on the bed and wrapped her in an old jacket. Her lips were curled back as if she had been in pain and her hindquarters were torn from the gravel. And again, I felt desperate, felt that I had let her down. Wow, that is moving. Mm. So Rick Bass is definitely one of those authors you should pick up. And um, and if you find one of the books that you uh, read, you don't quite resonate, pick up another one. Don't give up on Rick. And um, and uh, I think he's just one of those authors that he tells a great story and he weaves it into his life and has a way of just connecting you with the outdoors in a, in a really special way. Good authors do that, don't they? It's not that they always write about profound events, uh, maybe like, you know, an earthquake or, or something of that magnitude, but they, they just take some of the simple things in life. And, you know, and Annie Dillard talks about something in her backyard and, and you're 
you're you're stirred by that. Yeah, it's amazing. In fact, Annie Diller is another is another great author, and her book Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. I think everybody. Ought to oh read. yeah, that's that's worth its weight in gold. So Steve, tell me about you. So um, I like Rick Bass as one of my top authors. Uh, who do you like? You know, one that I keep going back to is is Ernest Hemingway. We don't always think of him as being a, an outdoor author, but he really is. I mean, his Old Man in the Sea is a very, very moving, very gripping, uh, just short story. And and one of my favorites is his Big Two-Hearted River. It's about uh, uh, Nick Adams, and and actually, uh, Big Two-Hearted River. Nick Adams is fly fishing, so you gotta love that. Hemingway had a healthy distrust of adjectives and adverbs. Just a, a great writer, and I know you've probably read more uh, Hemingway than I have. But what's the one, the, the scene in the ambulance in World War II? What's the, oh, come on, I should remember that. Oh, yeah, that's where the blood is dripping out yes, of the guy. Yes, yeah. And, um, and he's dying, right? right? What's, what's the title? That's, that's uh, terrible. I can't remember for the life of me. It's not For Whom the Bell Tolls, is it? Yeah, I think it is. I think that's the title. Oh, my Quite gosh. A, the way he writes describing the death of this guy... Oh, my goodness. Oh, it is amazing. You know, and his life was tragic. I mean, interestingly enough, he was born, I think, in Oak Park, not too far from where we live, and, uh, you know, spent a lot of time in in Michigan as, as a young man uh, at a cabin there, but uh, uh, ended up in Idaho, and, of course, uh, tragically took his life uh, in, in Idaho. I, I forget the little community. I've, I've been through it before. It's in the Sawtooth Mountains, but uh, he... He, he was a tortured soul, but I, I wanted to read just a, a little excerpt from his book, Big Two-Hearted River. This is right at the end of the book. He talks about this swamp, uh, the, the river narrow, the river he was fishing, it went into a swamp, and, and he was kind of intrigued with this, but the book says, Nick did not want to go in there now. He felt a reaction against deep wading with the water deepening up under his armpits to hook big trout in places impossible to land them. In the swamp, the banks were bare. The big cedars came together overhead. The sun did not come through except in patches. In the fast deep water, in the half light, the fishing would be tragic. In the swamp, fishing was a tragic adventure. Nick did not want it. He did not want to go down the stream any farther today. And then the final paragraph of the book, a few paragraphs later, it ends like this. The story, that is. And then the final paragraph of the story, this is a few paragraphs later, it ends like this. Nick stood up on the log, holding his rod, the landing net hanging heavy, then stepped into the water and splashed ashore. He climbed the bank and cut up into the woods toward the high ground. He was going back to camp. He looked back. The river just showed through the trees. There were plenty of days coming when he could fish the swamp. Wow, that's just great writing. It is. And there's a lot going on there at a you know, literary level. But I think even for me reading that, thinking, yeah, there's a lot of days where it's hard to let go. And uh, you do. You just have to leave the river. And there's some things that you leave for another day. And, of course, there's there's another layer of, of uh, darkness, tragedy that's kind of underlying that. Man, I don't want to overlook that. But, but just that piece of, uh, uh, yeah, sometimes you, you just have to end the day and say there's there's some stuff you're gonna you're gonna save for another time because there's always more river to fish. Well, I often find that after 
the day or as I'm leaving, there is a sense of which I don't want to be done. I don't want the data in. That's right. Because it means I won't be doing this again, especially on when we're in Montana, our last day, say, of a week. And I'm just, I'm almost sad the entire day. Yeah, it's kind of depressing, isn't it? Yeah, it it is, thinking this is the last day, and I won't be doing this for at least here, probably another year. It's not that I won't fly fish for another year, but um, so the emotion that he captures there is, is, is actually true for me. Yeah, that's right. All right, so Rick Bass, Ernest Hemingway, uh, Dave, somebody else that you like to read. Another one of my favorites, in fact, he may be my favorite writer, is Wallace Stegner. Uh, He died in 1993. He was about 84 years old, so he wrote really during the 20th century. Um, His book, Angle of Repose, uh, won the Pulitzer. I think it was uh, in the early 50s. Um, He wrote Crossing to Safety. He wrote Remembering Laughter, and he wrote a lot of... um, uh, nonfiction as well. So, Angle of Repose is fiction. is probably my favorite uh, book of fiction. It, and let me give you a quote um, from that book. And given that this is fall when we're pub- publishing this podcast, this is really relevant. That old September feeling, left over from school days of summer passing, vacation nearly done, obligations gathering, books and football in the air. Another fall, another turn page. There was something of jubilee in that annual autumnal beginning as if last year's mistakes had been wiped clean by summer. I mean, who can write like that? Oh, man, that is so powerful. I mean, who can write like that? I mean, that's just... So Wallace Stegner, I think uh, if you're going to read in the outdoors, he was also a great um, conservationist. Mm -hmm. Maybe he would even be in that bucket of preservationist. Um, I think he was at Stanford um, for the final part of his years in the literary uh, department there. But just a terrific author. And if you love reading about the West and love reading about the outdoors, you really need to pick up some Wallace Stegner. Mm. There's another writer that uh, I've read and uh, really in- enjoyed, and again, not because he's a fly fisher, as far as I know, he's not, but uh, he lived and, and wrote about some of the areas that, that Dave, that you and I fly fish in in Montana. His name is Ivan Doig. Uh, Ivan Doig just passed away. He was about 75, and uh, he taught for a number of years at University of Washington, but he grew up uh, in White Sulphur Springs, Montana, and his dad used to herd sheep at the north end of the Bridgers, uh, not far from where we fish 16 Mile Creek. And one of his classics, in fact, his first book was This House of Sky. I think the opening paragraph of the book is some of the most profound writing that that I've ever read, and I'd like to read this. Uh, it, It speaks for itself. Soon before daybreak on my sixth birthday, my mother's breathing wheezed more raggedly than ever, then quieted, and then stopped. The remembering begins out of that new silence. Through the time since then, I reach back along my father's tellings and around the urgings which would have me face about and forget to feel into these oldest shadows for the first sudden edge of it all. It starts early in the mountain summer, far back among the high spilling slopes of the Bridger Range of southwestern Montana. The single sound is hidden water, the south fork of 16 Mile Creek driving down its willow-masked gulch. 
And then a couple of pages later, a few pages later, he describes the death of his mother. He says, the asthma has claimed her. There are only two breathings in the cabin now. My father is touching me awake in lantern glow. His shadow hurled high up onto the wall to say, she is dead. Ivan, your mother is dead. Sobbing as the words choke him. The start of memories gather. June 27, 1945. I have become six years old. My mother's life is drained out at 31 years. And in the first gray daylight, dully heading our horses around from that cabin of the past, my father and I ran away toward all that would come next. Oh, isn't that just gripping? Yeah, I t- uh, just uh, incredible writing. It is, and, and and to think, you know, we we fished not far from that cabin. I I knew the guy that owned that ranch, and he was going to take me up there someday when he was up checking cattle or checking sheep. And it's it's in a pretty remote area, and uh, it just never happened before I moved. And of course, now when we're out there, I I want to fly fish, but but I, I think because I've spent so much time in that country and that land, just to, to read that. It, it's so gripping. Well, I think one of the things that the Western authors do well is they capture both the expanse of the land with the tragedy of the human yes. experience. And it seems like the tragedy of the human experience is so magnified in the West for some reason. Yeah, it really is. And and we'll talk about that some podcast, but but even fishing those Western rivers, it's often a time that uh, that I've used to process pain in my own life that, that I've experienced or that, that maybe I've walked with others through those painful times. And and there is something about the West that way. It's, it's a land of extremes. I mean, the, the sheer beauty and yet the, the harshness of, of, of life there. And, and you're right, Dave, these Western authors really capture that well. Wow, that's a lot to think about, so we're going to call it good for today. Uh, Who are some of your favorite outdoor writers? We'd love it if you shared them with us. Please go to twoguysinariver.com. That's two with the numeral, twoguysinariver.com, and comment on this podcast link. What outdoor authors do you like and why? And as always, uh, we'd love for you to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. And subscribe to our podcast via iTunes if you have an iPhone or Stitcher if you have a Droid. So thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. (laughs) 